0: Welcome to another episode of Deprogramming, the adult child of the narcissist. My name is Gloria Rogers and I'm your host. This is a podcast that's a combination of personal stories and information gained by what I have studied and learned. I am not a trained psychologist or therapist, so please keep that in mind. Any information that I will share with you I have gained from studying I will let you know where it came from and I will leave a link in the show notes for the episode. Now this episode is following a very difficult and personal series on my mother's death which reopened some of those wounds. It was a story of narcissism's effect on the last days of a woman who had been suffering under terrible abuse for 40 years. I just want to say thank you for sticking it out. I know that it was not easy to listen to Before I go too much further, I would like to make a quick announcement. I'm officially making this podcast a bi-weekly event. Initially, I had planned to release something every week, but this hasn't worked quite like I had hoped. It seems that it naturally went to a new episode every second week anyway, so I'm going to make that the official plan. So thank you in advance! Okay, so today I'm going to be doing an overview of some of the effects that narcissistic abuse has on victims. We will look at some of the issues that arise in mental health of victims of narcissistic abuse, and even some of the health problems. In future episodes, as of this moment, I plan on going deeper into each of the different issues, one or two at a time. To start off, some of the information that I'll be adding here is from a blog, which I will do my best to put into my own words. And this blog is titled, The Methods Narcissists Use to Traumatize Their Victims and Tips to Overcome Narcissistic Abuse, and this was written by Sherry Gaba. The link will be in the episode's show notes. In previous episodes, I've touched base that when it comes to the narcissist, they live with a permanent mask in the eyes of the public, and will only remove it around the people who are closest with them. If you are a partner to the narcissist, then you have an idea of how Perfect they were at the start of their relationship until you became close enough and trapped. That is when they will have revealed their true colors to you. Under the surface, the narcissist will do their best to hide the fact that they are extremely insecure, shallow, and hollow. This makes them really good at being manipulative, uncaring, and unempathetic individuals. Some of them may even be psychopathic. They may be some of the smartest people out there, or at the very least make themselves out to be smarter than you, at any rate. A phrase that I had often heard throughout my childhood is this, what do you know? Often this phrase would be followed by a tirade of information by my father about everything that he does know. Having opinions, especially if they were different than his, was dangerous. If we questioned him, we dishonored him, and we were forced to sit through a long talk of correction. This often caused me to question my own ability to think and come up with my own conclusions. Anyway, I've gotten off topic. What I want to focus on is the impact of narcissistic abuse on mental health. Once again, I am by no means a professional or even a greatly studied person on the topic of mental health or even narcissistic abuse. There are so many other well-known names and people who have dedicated their profession and study on these topics. My hope for this podcast is that it might be relatable, even though I know very well that my story is not yours, nor is your story mine. Yet when it comes to the narcissist, having lived in close proximity to one all my growing up years, it has become only too easy to imagine the habits, thoughts, and patterns that they have. I don't want to call it mind reading, because it is not. I would wonder, though, and argue that there is an intuition that is gained through hard experience and a painfully deep understanding of those patterns which cause pain. If this is something that doesn't make sense, it could just simply be a quirk of my personality. Not that I am trying to make myself out to be special, far from it. I would be willing to bet that if you have gone through abuse of this kind, then you can almost predict the thoughts and patterns of the narcissist in your life and those whom you come across, and the narcissists whom you come across through reading their body language and tone of voice. I would have to study more about it, but I wonder if this is part of the hypersensitivity from the trauma, or from having lived in survival mode for so long. Let me know some of your thoughts. I would love to hear if you have had any similar experiences. Coming back to my source, this goes over some of the particular methods that the narcissists use to traumatize their victims. The first method Sherry goes over is manipulation. Manipulation is an ability that the narcissist uses to keep their victims shackled to them. Personally, I would even argue that even if you are no longer under the influence of the narcissist, those shackles still bind the mind in ways that is hard to break free of. The next part is a direct quote from the blog by Sherry Gaba. Through ongoing gaslighting and demeaning of the partner, the narcissist undermines the individual's self-worth and self-confidence, creating extreme emotional abuse that is constant and devastating. In a way, I'm glad to hear others say these things are traumatizing. It takes a huge weight of myself for failing to try to make these tactics out to be less than they are. It is okay to give yourself permission to recognize emotional and psychological abuse for what it is. It is trauma-inducing, brain-altering damage. The following is a list of common manipulation tactics that are used by narcissists. Little comments are the first manipulation tactics which Sherry lists. These are used in the earlier stages of a romantic relationship, so it'll look a little different than in a parent-child relationship. To a partner in the initial romance, these little comments may seem trivial, but truly they test the waters to see where our tolerance lies for such abuse. In a way, you could say it builds the framework or foundation for more abusive language later on. It will escalate, I guarantee. Some of the little comments can look like the following. You don't really mean that. You can't be serious about blank. It's not your fault you don't understand. You're so sensitive about blank. And a personal example that I had already mentioned earlier in this episode is a comment that I had heard so many times from my father. What do you know? Another tactic is to downplay their words by trying to pass off their abusive language as jokes. They will find it amusing. And it's not done by accident either. It is not incident, innocent, Pardon me, but rather strategic. It is a way that they can get out of admitting that their words caused pain and at the same time make their victim feel even worse than they did before. After this one, that there is any particularly order to these I'm not sure the manipulation tactic tool that the narcissist uses is to pass their problem onto you that's called projection it is also something that I need to study more it can come across as the following statements you don't care about me it's all about you you have to be in control of every detail you are paranoid you are mistaken you don't value this relationship, you have that wrong, you aren't remembering that accurately. Narcissistic projection is a defense mechanism. When a narcissist even remotely perceives an imperfection about their inner self, they can't stand the idea of it to the point that they will accuse their partners or children with that very same problem and make their person perfect again in their mind. I don't know how well that made sense, but I will expand on it in another episode. These quotes can also be seen as gaslighting, which is another term that I will expand on sometime in another episode. But essentially, gaslighting creates confusion and will cause a victim to doubt their own memory and thoughts. How many of you habitually look at your memories and question if what you are recalling was what actually happened? I know I do. Prolonged narcissistic abuse damages some of our neurology and our ability to retain memory. Once again, this is a subject that I don't have all the information for yet, but I will study and bring you more information in the future. But let us look at some of the implications that this has on our mental health. These tools of manipulation are some of the things that program and brainwash the victims of the narcissist, to completely doubt their own capabilities and worth. This is part of what binds the victims to the narcissist. The victim becomes dependent on the narcissist to meet their needs. But the sad truth though, is that the needs of the victim are sorely neglected in favor of the victim feeding the sick and psychopathic needs of the narcissist. It is twisted, sick, and evil, and I have no issue with being harsh on the topic. On top of that, statistically speaking, the narcissist is usually perfectly able to see what they have done and how wrong it is. They just don't care. They need to be in control and they need the worship of their victims. The only way they can get that is if they destroy who the victim is and create a hollow shell in that place. This is how the narcissist gets that worship. Instead of building up their partner or family, they will tear down that person just so they can dominate and remain on top. It is a God complex, a God complex. So please protect yourself, please. Learn to listen to yourself and give yourself permission to recognize that your body is in distress and or discomfort. Believe your perception of events instead of constantly second guessing what happened You are perfectly capable of rational thought. No one should be able to take that ability away from you. You have your own opinions and ideas and that is okay. Set yourself some boundaries, even though it is hard. It is difficult to know what a healthy boundary looks like if you have never had them before. This is the case for me. I have a really hard time saying no to people in general. So standing my ground and saying no to the narcissist is really hard. It is also important to learn how to remove yourself from conversations and situations that are uncomfortable and manipulative. Again, I realize that that is easier said than done. But walking away is a much healthier alternative than sitting through an unhealthy conversation. Simply walk away if you can and ignore the attempts to draw you back because those will, in- those will be inevitable, those attempts, and they are called hoovering. Charlie Health. This is another website where I'm going to be pulling information from, and the article or blog I'm referencing is titled The Long-Term Effects of Narcissistic Abuse. This article was written by Amanda Lundberg. I'm not sure if I'm saying her name right and it was clinically reviewed by Don Gasparini. Both of these names are admittedly unknown to me, but the article is very educational, and I would encourage you to check it out for yourself when you have time. It will also be in the show notes. Amanda opens with the fact that narcissistic abuse is a type of emotional abuse that has a capability to alter someone's thoughts, feelings, and emotions. If you have experienced narcissistic abuse then you may be able to relate with some of or all of the signs of emotional, physical, psychological, verbal, and domestic abuse, depending how far your narcissist went in their abuse. On the way that Amanda puts narcissistic abuse, which I absolutely love and relate to, is psychological violence. I'm going to say that again. Psychological violence. I think that this term is very appropriate because it sure feels that way. Psychological violence may include sabotage, smear campaigns, stonewalling, and many, many other methods to control and coerce victims. One of the number one symptoms of narcissistic abuse is PTSD or complex PTSD. And some of the symptoms of PTSD may look like feelings of overwhelming helplessness, emotional flashbacks, and even shame. In the next section, I will try my best not to plagiarize, so please bear with me. Narcissistic abuse will quite likely leave the victims feeling physically or emotionally detached from their surroundings. For me, I can say that this is an accurate picture, and it is what can make everything so confusing for victims. It is difficult to perceive reality and our memory of events. The truth seems so out of reach, and can even seem unimportant. Especially since seeing that truth and reality can be what sets the narcissist off on an explosive episode of anger and dangerous rage. This can make it very difficult to put a name to our experiences or realize that this is a pattern in narcissistic abuse. For the victim, their needs are less than that of the abuser. The desire to please them is greater than our desire to even think about our own needs. I think this is because expressing our needs and taking time for ourselves have been shut down or criticized by the narcissist. The next section here is vital, and it's about chronic stress. Chronic means ongoing. It's something that lasts for a long time. Typically, one would think about chronic pain, which is a kind of pain that just never goes away. Chronic stress, however, can create physical health issues that weren't there before. Some of those can be as the following, premature aging, weight gain or loss, and please note that I'm highlighting and underlining this next one, a suppressed immune system. Depression, as well as anxiety, can be displayed by victims of narcissistic abuse and it would not be surprising to see them have self-harming tendencies and or even suicidal thoughts. Self-harm can even look like not taking proper care of your body, in my opinion. Long-term abuse can change a victim's brain and how it functions. I had no clue about this fact until recently. It can result in cognitive decline and memory loss, and it can increase the risk for that chronic stress PTSD, and self-harm. Some survivors have talked about feelings of confusion, procrastination, low self-esteem, feel of failure, and worthlessness. Being honest with myself here is that I also struggle with many of these feelings. For a final point from this website that I want to highlight, and if you have followed the Missing You miniseries, you may recognize this, and I quote, a narcissistic abuser may use financial abuse to keep the victims trapped in the relationship. They can restrict access to money, take control of the victim's income, or resort to narcissistic manipulation and harassment. End quote. My father did this to my mother in those last few months that she was alive, and who knows how many times when she was alive. So if you are in a similar situation, I want you to know that I understand None of this is okay. The manipulation, the threats, is all very unhealthy for our brains and also for our bodies. I'll do my best to go over the different types of effects that narcissistic abuse takes in future episodes. Today we went over the fact that this kind of abuse can damage our brains, literally. It affects our ability to retain memories, it decreases our ability to think on our own, develops PTSD, depression, anxiety, and even self-harm. These can lead to feelings of confusion, procrastination, worthlessness, and a fear of failure. We also went over that it can affect our bodies and our health. It can increase our aging, cause weight gain or loss, and cause a suppressed immune system. Something else that I haven't gone over yet is about addiction. Often it can be a literal substance abuse, that becomes the go-to for the victims of narcissistic abuse, but I think that is a rather shallow look at addiction. The question I ask is this, what is it that you cling to in order to escape the constant pain? What do you need to distract and numb yourself? It's the same, I think, with self-harm. I believe that there are more aspects to it than merely trying to cause pain. It can even look like not taking proper care of yourself and your needs. My goal is to take each topic and break it down into different parts in order to make sense of it. If you have any resources that you found educational or helpful with your own research and would like to share it, I would be honored to make a highlight of it and to learn even more. So before I close, I want to share some passages from the Bible with you. But before I do, in case that 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 is something you would rather not listen to. I would just like to say thank you for listening today. It really means a lot. If you would ra- like to share your story with me, I would be honored to hear it. If you are worried about confidentiality, please know that without direct permission, I will not share your story on this podcast or with anyone else. I'm not a psychologist, but I can be a listening ear if that is something you need. You can reach me on Facebook, email, or Instagram. Facebook, I have a group with the same title as this podcast, so please feel free to check us out there. Now on to the final part of this episode. I think it is important to bring into perspective what the Bible has to say on the topic on hand, and today I'm pulling some verses on narcissists. The Bible doesn't use the word narcissist, but it's not hard to see the traits of narcissism within. One of the roots of narcissism is pride, and this is a trait that God hates Proverbs chapter 18 verses 12 and 21 it reads before destruction the heart of man is haughty which means proud but humility goes before honor death and life are in the power of the tongue and those who love it will eat its fruit Proverbs chapter 22 verses 24 and 25 do not associate with a man given to anger, or go with a hot-tempered man, or you will learn his ways and find a snare for yourself. 1 Corinthians chapter 5, verses 11-13 through 13. But actually, I wrote to you not to associate with any so-called brother, if he is an immoral person, or covetous, or an idolater, or a reviler, or a drunkard, or a swindler not even to eat with such a one. For what have I to do with judging others? Do you not judge those who are within the church, but those who are outside God judges? Remove the wicked man from among yourselves. Before I put in another verse, I want to pause and ask a question. What is a reviler? According to the dictionary, there are two ways to look at it. One, a reviler will attack somebody or something verbally. It is a transitive verb to make a fierce or abusive verbal attack. Or two. It is to use abusive language. This one is, and this one is an intransitive verb, and it is to use insulting or abusive language. Swindle is another word in this verb verse, and it is a fraudulent transaction. It's a form of stealing. Now this. These verses in first Corinthians are important. People say don't judge, but Paul is writing that it is important to judge the individuals within the church according to scripture and to remove that person from amongst yourselves. This is a part of what church discipline should look like. And it is something that most churches don't practice today. But another way to look at it is this. If someone cannot stop verbally abusing and attacking you, you have every right to walk away and disassociate from them. You don't need to feel guilty for doing so. The next two verses I want to reference are from the Gospel of Matthew. First one is Matthew chapter 7, verses 15 through 20. Beware of the false prophets who come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly are ravenous wolves. You will know them by their fruits. Grapes are not gathered from thorn bushes, nor figs from thistles, are they? So every good tree bears good fruit, but the bad tree bears bad fruit. A good tree cannot produce bad fruit, nor can a bad tree produce good fruit. Every tree that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. So then you will know them by their fruits. Another way to look at that is the fruit of the spirit, which is love, joy, peace, patience, selflessness, self-control, These are the things that are gained through the relationship with Jesus, through learning who Jesus is. And if a person does not display the fruits of the Spirit, the question that we must ask is, are they in Christ? It's also an important question to ask yourself. Do I live displaying the fruit of the Spirit? If your brother sins, go and show him his fault in private. If he listens to you, you have won your brother. But if he does not listen to you, take one or two more with you, so that by the mouth of two or three witnesses, every fact may be confirmed. If he refuses to listen to them, tell it to the church. If he refuses to listen even to the church, let him be to you as a Gentile and a tax collector. That is from the book of Matthew, chapter 18, verses 15 through 17. And that is also about... Reconciliation and Church Discipline. I'm highlighting that verse because reconciliation is a delicate thing. I think it should ease your mind if you cannot have reconciliation, no matter how hard you may have tried. And that is okay. Let them go. Move on with your life and once again, try not to feel guilty that it didn't work quite like you wanted. So anyway, This is officially where I'm going to wrap things up. Thank you again for listening, and I'll see you again next time for another episode of Deprogramming, The Adult Child of the Narcissist. Have a great day.